0: I will be reading Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. Please stand for the reading of the word. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of the cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human percepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, Whatever support you might have had from me is coban, that is, an offering to God that you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The word of the Lord please be seated good morning Highland
1: we are uh, in a series uh, called bearings and we're gonna go through the book of Mark until Easter that's kind of where we're headed and some of you have asked um, hey last time when we were in our mark before Christmas we had these spiritual disciplines that we were doing every week what, what happened? Where Are we doing those again? Um, and the answer is this uh, series is going to coincide with the season of Lent. Now, you may not know the Christian calendar very well. Lent is, is 40 days that lead up to Easter. It's a time where you can kind of get your heart right and get your mind right, uh, get yourself focused on God. It's a season that leads up to Easter. And so uh, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is a day that we remember from dust we came into dust we return. We're going to die. Ash Wednesday this year is uh, February 26th, and we're going to hold a service here in our auditorium at 7 o'clock, and I want to invite everyone to come and participate in that. And if you show up on Ash Wednesday, you're going to get a calendar that will engage you the entire season of Lent. So you want to be sure to be there on Ash Wednesday so that you can uh, begin that process uh, together, thinking about this sermon, this text about hand washing, can I just begin by saying, ew! <laughs> the disciples don't wash their hands. That's gross. I bet you they keep their toothbrushes next to their toilets as well. Ah. Uh. Okay, so here's the thing: Louis uh, Pasteur won't discover germ theory by connecting microbiotic organisms and disease for like another 1,850 years. And I point that out to tell you that there is a tremendous temptation to treat this text anachronistically. That is, we take our concerns, our knowledge, and all of those things, and we read them into the first century. And when we do that, we put things into the text and we miss what Mark was actually trying to say. Because we confuse our culture with theirs, our world with the world of Scripture. And so there are these these categories that exist there about how holy and profane, clean and unclean, the ideas of piety and faithlessness. And when you read this text, they aren't as clear as you think. There's not only that issue of confusion, but there's also how Mark 7 is used in Christian history. It's one of those constellation of texts that show up at seemingly our worst moments. When Marcion wanted to remove the Jewish influence in Christianity and he cut up the Bible, took the entire Old Testament out. When Christians wanted to take the property of Jews and So they scapegoated them out of cities when Christians wanted to justify wholesale annihilation. This constellation of texts appears and reappears. And so I want us to be careful when we approach this place. Because see, there's a difference between piety and righteousness. Piety is kind of the faithful adherence to religious practices but righteousness is something else. Righteousness is not necessarily bad. Self-righteousness is, but righteousness is living in right relationship with God. Righteousness is living in right relationship with other people. And when we come across the word holy, what we need to realize is God is holy and God makes things holy. When God touches Isaiah's mouth at the beginning of, of that book, his prophetic word is made holy. Holy things are things that are set aside For service to God. Now those things can become profane or defiled. It's when they become dirty. Now this can be sin or this can just be like regular old dirty. In the temple system, if you dropped one of the cups that was used in the temple on the ground, you had to clean it before you could bring it before God again. It's kind of like, have you ever thought about the difference between soil and dirt? The difference between soil and dirt is location. When it's in my backyard, it's soil. But when it gets tracked into my rug, it becomes dirt. And we all have this kind of vis- visceral reaction to things that are we perceive to be unclean. They did a survey, uh, the New York uh, City Health Department did a survey, survey and they conducted it down in the subways. And they would come up to people and they ask them the question, which is the most dirty? The bottom of your shoe that's been walking in the subway, the toilet that's back in that restroom, or your cell phone? What is the most dirty? Your cell phone. They would take cell phones and they would wipe them with a piece of white bread and then they put the white bread in the Petri dish and a whole new like flora and fauna bloomed out of that moment. <laughs> Your cell phone is the filthiest thing that you own. And so what we're talking about when we're talking about hand washing is it's ceremonial more than it's hygienic. The disciples or the Pharisees weren't thinking, I'm, I'm cleaning my hands from germs. They were, just, they were doing something else. According to the law, only the temple priests had to do this ceremonial washing. It was to remove the defilement and to be clean before God. But the temple isn't the same anymore in in Jesus' time. What was once God's house, the center of the world, the middle of the cosmos, is now just part of a backwater occupied territory on the edge of an empire that doesn't really care about this place as long as they pay their taxes, and they revolt less often. And so what the Pharisees do is they take this, this hand-washing that the priest used to do, and they incorporate it into their daily life. Because Israel isn't the same. It's a nation that no longer seems like God is present. And even if you were to walk down those same streets, you might run into Roman soldiers or Jewish Confederates, and they made you feel dirty. So... Coming in after market, before you sit down to eat bread, you wash the stink of subjugation and become clean. You become gods again. It's a symbol of resistance. It's to remind the people that this is what is true, not what I see outside. And it becomes such an ingrained habit that the Pharisees don't see it as any different From the actual holiness code in the Torah. And so they ask, doesn't this matter to you, Jesus? Because you're not teaching your disciples to wash their hands. Now I want you to notice how Jesus answers. He doesn't reject the premise of the question or duck it or avoid it. He's going to answer it three times. He's going to answer it to the scribes and the Pharisees. He's going to answer it to the crowd. And then he's going to answer it to his disciples Instead of ducking the question, he intensifies the situation. Jesus doubles down on what it means to engage in this sort, of, sort of existence that will bring life. Is the kind of existence that's going to bring you life, is that ceremonial hand-washing? Is it this symbol of resistance? Or is it something Deeper. I think here's the thing that we miss when we talk about holiness. Holiness is fundamentally relational. I think the book of Leviticus is the most relational book in scripture. It is full of instructions of how to live that good life, that life that brings meaning in relationship to God, in relationship to one another, and relationship to creation. It's relational from beginning to end. I want to pause for a second and ask this question. Do you really think that for a moment that God was defiled when Christ became flesh? Do you think that God lost something when God took on a body? If you do, then you might have a good chair next to Marcy in the heretic because you might find yourself in that place. Okay, so this is going to get ew for a minute, all right? This is going to get gross. I'm just warning you. There is a tradition that the priest's garments, the linen garments that the priest used, when they were old, they would be turned into swaddling cloths for babies, which is kind of this beautiful sentiment. The only time that Jesus was acknowledged as the high priest that he was was when he was wrapped in these old Levitical robes as a baby, now, I came across one of those Facebook memories of when my first son Elliot was born. It was about a week and a half into his life. And the, the quote went something like this First, poopy pants, his poop, my pants. I wanted to burn those pants. That was gross. Was God for a moment defiled? when Christ became flesh? Of course not. When Jesus embraces a leper, is there a moment when Christ becomes defiled? When Jesus talks to Gentiles, when he engages in meaningful conversations with not only Gentiles, but Gentile women, which of the day just did not happen. When Jesus sits down and eats with sinners and tax collectors, when he goes into all of the dirty and evil places in the world, does God become defiled? No, he can't. A couple weeks ago, I quoted a song from uh, They Might Be Giants and that album's just been running in my head. I can't help it. Uh, but there's this, this song on that album called Particle Man. And it's just this silly song that they might be giant sings. But if you've heard it, you know what I'm talking about. Particle Man gets in fights with everybody else. Particle Man always wins. But it asks an intriguing question. When Particle Man gets in the water, does he get wet or does the water get him instead? When Jesus Christ comes into the world, does he get defiled Or does the world become holy instead? So when the Pharisees and scribes ask Jesus, what does it mean, mean to live a life in step with God, in step with creation, and in step with other people, Jesus calls them hypocrites. And that claim is just as real now as it was then. He says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a pretender. Don't be an actor. Don't lose the true locus of the things that will bring you life. And it's not so much that the, the Pharisees are, are saying that they're doing one thing and they don't do it. It's that they, they hypo, the, the hypocrites are focusing on the wrong thing. They're claiming that ceremonial washing will give them life. Which is kind of like me coming in here with a double Big Mac, a super fry, a 42-ounce Coke, and claiming I'm on a diet. Okay, I'm on a diet. It's just not a diet that's going to bring me life. So Jesus quotes Isaiah. These people that honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They merely teach human rules. Jesus intensifies the question. He's not going to abandon Leviticus. What he does is help everyone focus in on what really matters. Clean hands don't make you right before God. It's a clean heart. Because... It's not what you put in your mouth that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your heart. And I'm certain one of these days, my boys are going to use this text uh, to proof text me as to why they don't have to wash their hands. And that's missing the point. Purity and defilement are just as real now as it was then. There's a hundred little choices we make about what we engage in or what we avoid. If I can, when I'm in a public restroom, I try to open the door with my foot or my elbow instead of my hand. I don't park under the trees in the shopping centers around Southwest and Clack, because I don't want to defile my car. It's one thing when it's a toilet seat. It's another thing when it's a person. As James Newman says, for the best of religious reasons, the Pharisees and scribes also made choices. Faithful living instead of defilement, acts of purity to resist all that debases and degrades. Jesus took this choice seriously, but then raised it to another level with a dangerous twist. Because maybe trusting God leads right into defilement. Maybe faithful living calls for associating with the unclean. I had a youth internship when I was in college at uh, Kerrville, Texas, and uh, Kerrville was kind of on one of those roads where uh, people that were homeless would travel through on a regular basis, and so our church would regularly get visitors of people that were passing through. It was one Wednesday night, and uh, I was in the auditorium a little bit early, and and someone that was clearly passing through uh, came in, and you could tell because they were 15 minutes early, and no one was 15 minutes early to church on Wednesday night. But you could also tell because of his face. The sun had beat on his face for so long that his skin had become leathery. And his clothes were worn, and they'd all kind of mushed into that same color of brown that happens when you wear the same clothes over and over and over, and you sleep in the dirt. Well, I sit down and I start talking to this older gentleman about his life and where he's been and where he's from, just chatting him up. And it's in the course of that conversation that a cockroach crawls out from under the collar of his shirt. And I lock eyes with him in a desperate way. And the cockroach crawls over his face. He can't feel it because his skin is so leathery. And then there's a moment where it touches the side of his lip and his lip has feeling left. He immediately, as quick as he can, grabs that and pulls it down. And then he looks at me with eyes and says... Please, just, you didn't see that. It seems to me that Jesus, when we follow Jesus, we might find our place where faithful living calls us for associating with things that are unclean. A few years later, I was working in Fort Smith, Arkansas, as a uh, a campus minister, and one of the families in, in the church Um, There were some tough choices and some bad situations, and uh, Child Protective Services had took their children away. And and we were trying to work with them to help them get into a place and an environment where they could get their kids back. And one of the things that uh, Protective Services had said is, you need to fix this living environment for these kids. There needs to be some improvements. But it was a rental house, and they didn't have any money. There's no way they're going to be able to fix all this stuff. And one gentleman at our church said, hey, look, I'll pay for it if you can get some college guys to do the work. And so I gather up a few of my college guys, and basically all we have to do is is tear the carpet up and put new carpet in, and we begin moving the pieces of their furniture one by one out of their house and onto the front lawn. But the smell as we pulled up that in carpet was terrible. And I was so proud of my guys. Because as they used those carpet knives to tear it up, to roll it up, to carry it outside, they did not blink, they didn't stutter, and they didn't gag. They treated that family with dignity. Look at the very next place where Jesus goes in the story of Mark. The next place that Jesus goes is over the border to to hear a foreigner's diseased daughter. In the next chapter, he is again feeding a multitude. We looked at that story last week, but this time it's in Gentile territory. And he is not concerned about washed hands or pots, but rather the abundant grace of God. Out of love for God, we want to remain undefiled and we want to be made clean. But Jesus died for the impure. And that is a very different sort of love. A holy love that is poured out for the soiled and the humiliated of our world, including us. God's love embraces us precisely in our impurity and defilement. When God came into the muck of the world, Jesus didn't get dirty. He made the world clean. May the meditations and the overflow of our heart do the same. We have a very special guest uh, here today. Uh, Alessandra Russell is here with us. Uh, she is the founder of a ministry that we've partnered with uh, for some time called Urban Light. Urban Light works to help uh, boys, uh, children that are caught up in, in sex trafficking in Thailand to, to find a way out. We're so grateful to have you. We've This is the first time you've been here, and it's, it's amazing. So I want you to tell us—here, sit down just for a second. I want you to tell us a little bit about how—because not all of us know about Urban Light— about how Urban Light began and kind of your story with that.
2: Sure, sure. Good morning, Highland. Um, This is a far away from Thailand, let me tell you. But I'm so pleased to be here, and it's just been absolutely an incredible experience Um, because you guys are very much why Urban Light exists. So about 10 years ago, I found myself in Thailand on a service trip, and we were walking through the Red Light District for the first time. And I looked over and I saw a young boy, the age of my nephew, about nine years old, get into a tuk-tuk or a taxi with an older Western man. And I was shocked. I had never seen bars, brothels, red lights before like I did that night. And I stood there looking at all of the young boys that were for sale and I thought, this is wild, and Shane, I related so well to your sermon early because earlier, because that's our boys. Our boys, according to the community, are dirty, they're defiled, they're criminals, they're delinquents, and I promised myself that night, standing in the Red Light District, that we were going to be the voice for them. So Urban Light was really much birthed in the Red Light District about 10 years ago, and what we do is we provide services to those overlooked, forgotten and vulnerable boys, services from education, alternative employment, housing, um, a safe space where they can just get a hearty, healthy meal to fill their hungry bellies. Um, And so 10 years later, we've worked with over 5,000 boys from the Red Lake District, and a lot of that is because of Highland and this incredible partnership.
1: So recently, you won the Mother Teresa Award, which sounds kind of amazing but also you had you were um you were kicked out of Thailand in 2018 can you tell us a little bit about those two things happening
2: yeah absolutely so uh this past november was a wild experience i was actually honored in india with the mother teresa award and uh, believe me i do not feel like mother teresa i mean this work has been filled with loss filled with heartache filled with Um, disappointment and so about a year and a half ago I had to literally throw a few things in a duffel bag and flee Thailand and that was a result of our work that was a result of making noise about an issue that the Thai government didn't want to be made known about and so it's been incredible to kind of just be able to be back here on this platform because I lost my identity for so long You know, I had been so committed to Urban Lay and to our boys and to our team. And now I'm hoping to be able to just stand on my soapbox and be a voice for them, unfortunately, outside of Thailand, but still speaking on their behalf.
1: So you still have a team that's in Chiang Mai, right? We do,
2: we have an awesome team, one of which is a a long-term volunteer named Ryan Binkley. So if he's watching in Thailand, he said he was gonna tune in, shout out to Ryan. He's an incredible, um, I don't know if you know Ryan, six foot plus, tall, burly, western male. And he has been just doing so much for Urban Light in terms of giving the boys a new perspective. Letting them see that not every man is gonna hurt them. And Ryan, we're so lucky to have him, so.
1: So maybe you can share with us, one of the things that we look for as a community is the ways that God is working and and how we can join. Um, And you mentioned... This is obviously a ministry that, um, that's hard and, and painful. Um, can you share with us some of the hope that you have or some of the hope you've seen in, in the work that you've done?
2: Absolutely. I think, like I mentioned, this is not what I thought when I was standing in the red light district. I thought, what does God want of me? What is he asking of me? And he has put so many of the right people on my path. One of my favorite stories, and I'm going to call him out, is the story that happened a few years ago when Elder... Dan Allen was at Urban Light and that was a small win for me because what happened was Dan Allen was on site and he had brought a bunch of candies and so he put the candies on the table and I noticed one of our boys kind of peeking around looking at the candies and Dan was like help yourself and you see the boy kind of grab a candy and then run away and then He comes back five minutes later, grabs another candy. But the win in that moment was because the boy felt safe enough and trusted enough to know that Urban Light brings in these quality, amazing people. And when Dan left, he gifted this young 15-year-old boy named Asa a cap, a baseball cap. And he still wears that baseball cap. So those are the small wins we try to focus on and really put our hearts towards.
1: So obviously this is a, a tremendous problem worldwide. And I imagine as you're telling these stories and, and we're hearing about this, someone in this audience their heart is pricked and they wanna they want to help, they want to do more, they want to learn more. What what can people do if they want to interact with you or, or know more about Urban Light?
2: Yeah, I mean I really feel strongly that I feel like now that you guys have sat in these chairs and you've heard what's happening in Thailand, we all have this responsibility, to share, to speak about this. So it could be as simple as finding us on Facebook and writing a little post about us today after service. It could be thinking, you know, I was at ACU a few days ago, speaking to social worker students, psychology students, they have a huge role in the solution. And they can intern with us. They can do fundraisers. There's so many ways to get involved. So I'm gonna be hanging out over here after our service, and I invite you guys to come and speak to me, and let's get you involved in this work.
1: So you had, you had something special. We did this in first. Do you wanna do it again? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, so you had something special, a message. You okay, have to cool.
2: So guys, since I've had to leave Thailand a year and a half ago, and I haven't been able to go back um, because I could face eight years in prison, Um, I have been doing this new thing where I record my speaking engagements for the boys so that they know where I am and what I'm doing. And it's such an encouragement for them because they get to see a room full of these amazing people that actually care and are willing to listen. So I'm gonna teach you a quick Thai phrase and I'm gonna to count to three. And if it's okay with you guys, I'm gonna film us giving this cheer call, rally call to the boys in Thailand. Is that okay? Okay, great. So um, all you guys have to do is just say, urban light, Su Su. Let's give it a practice round. Ready? One, two, three
1: urban light susu
2: awesome now the first service they were awesome but they're a little quiet so i'm going to ask you guys who can maybe get up and i know we have a lot of acu students here so if we can get up and just put some energy that would be awesome oh yes so urban light susu is basically saying like don't give up okay okay so let's see i'm a little tech challenged Okay, so Instagram. Okay, here we go. Hey, Urban Light. I am here in Abilene, Texas at Highland Church with some incredible people who have a message for you. And here they are. Look at all these people, especially that one. Um, So they have a message for you, and here it is. One, two, three. Urban Live, Sue Sue. One more time because that was awesome.
0: Urban Live, Sue
2: We love you guys. We're cheering you on all the way from Abilene. Thank you guys.
1: <laughs> Alexandra, thank you so much for being here. Normally, uh, at the end of the service, we, we send you out, uh, blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit, but... Today we're going to do something a little different. If you don't mind, uh, we're going to bless Alessandra as she continues her work. So extend a hand uh, and read with me. May the God who commanded that the sons and daughters of Israel shall not be passed through the fire, and the Lord who invited all the little children to come to me guide you in your work, Alessandra. Be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. The Lord will go before you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Go with the grace of God.